The autumn wind is a pirate, blustering in from sea. With a rollicking song, he sweeps along, swaggering boisterously. His face is weather-beaten. He wears a hooded sash with a silver hat about his head and a bristling black mustache. He growls as he storms the country, a villain Edgar Bold. And the trees all shake and quiver and quake as he robs them of their gold. The autumn wind is a raider. All right, welcome to the Kingsman Corner and the Week 5 Fantasy Gods West Recap. Excited to have you on the show today. We've got a lot to unpack, certainly a lot that's happening in the NFL, uh, but very excited for our guest who is actually going to be joining us immediately from the top of the show. Everyone highly anticipated this discussion. This is someone who brings so much fire to the league. It's the nation that you love to hate. Hater Nation, Josh, welcome to the Kingsman Corner. Thanks, Jake. Really happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we're excited to have you on. We're going to unpack a lot of things, uh, but first off, we want to make sure that we have a, a nice little spot to thank our sponsors for today's show. Hi, this is Josh Donovan, and I'm running for mayor of Atascadero. As you receive your ballot this week, join small business owners and residents in casting your vote for me, Josh Donovan, for mayor of Atascadero. I'm fighting to restore Atascadero's local economy by bringing good-paying jobs and businesses to our city without raising the sales tax. And I'll work to keep our streets safe and clean while collaborating to solve our city's homelessness crisis. But most importantly, I'm working to ensure that City Hall listens to you for a change. When you fill out your ballot, vote Josh Donovan for Atascadero Mayor. Paid for by Donovan for Atascadero Mayor 2020. All right. Well, thanks, Josh. And good luck on your upcoming campaign for Mayor of Atascadero. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, the campaign was happy to sponsor. We know there's a couple of Atascadero voters in the audience. So, um, yeah, you know, when you cast your votes, keep us in mind. Absolutely. Really glad we can make this happen, Jake. You know, as, as the only other person in the league that, that has a podcast, I'm a little surprised it, it took this long to make it happen, <laughs> you know. I, I'm still um, waiting on my invite to join join the uh, the Tascadero A-Town podcast. Right, right. Yeah. I know my people had to get a little aggressive with your people in regard to scheduling. Right. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really time for Hater Nation to start demanding some respect. Um, <laughs> So, so, something I'm sure we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, know? absolutely. Well, there, I would say that there was enough this week that put some damn respect on the name, right? I mean, absolutely. And, and clearly, this was my week. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy to share it with our Raiders. Hey, there we go. Um, you know, they, they also tend to, to not get the respect they deserve. Um, but, but, but fantasy first, man. We've got to talk about fantasy first, obviously. Absolutely. Um, tell me more about your team. So here's the thing, Jake, I'm sitting at two and three, you know, that, that's the reality, but I, I want to talk about my three losses. Okay. okay. And, and week one, we, we, we took a pretty hard loss to mile high Kings. You know, honestly, he, he looks good. He, he's obviously tough. Yep. You know, Mike's, Mike's sitting in first place and tied with only one team and, and that's you, my man. That's yep. Jake. And he was, so, he was high point score of the week that week. Just so you know. It, yeah, it was pretty massive. Uh, so we're good with that. You know, the, the next two matchups I lost were by a combined four-point deficit, Oof. okay? Uh, 
1.34 loss in week two to team Donald Trump, arguably the, the greatest president of all time. Huge. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Huge. Uh, and then week four, we take a 2.66 loss to Bon Jovi, who is unquestionably the greatest rock band of all time. There so, we go. <laughs> you know, the three losses, it, it is what it is. Uh, that's enough about losing. Obviously, that's not what we're here to talk about. We want to talk about my wins. Um, so I'm going to start in week three. I played the Rough Riders. And you know who it was a rough ride for? Who? Kevin. Oh. Kevin. Okay. That guy likes to talk a lot of shit, especially, <laughs> to, especially to me. I get no respect from that guy. And and here's the thing. You know, Kev recruited me into this league right after I hired him to work at you know Kennedy Club Fitness back in the day. Oh, yeah. I remember um, that. Yeah. And, and I'll be forever grateful. Um, reality is, though, that since 2012, Kevin and I have squared off 16 times. And Hater Nation has prevailed in 11 of those matchups. Wow. Okay. What a stat. Wow. Come at me. You know, Uh, one of those was a playoff game in 2014, but our commissioner has not enjoyed a win against me since week 12 of 2018. Yikes. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time. Hey, I mean, the stats are there. I, I don't make them up. You know? Yeah, and a little so. side caveat before we get too distracted. I came across a stat the other day, which has nothing to do with fantasy football, but uh, Georgia, the the college football team, Georgia Bulldogs, have not allowed a rushing touchdown since the SEC championship game in 2018, which was to our boy, Josh Jacobs out of Alabama. So side oh, caveat. Very interesting. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Anyways, right. back on your track. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I know. I know we're not here to talk about me beating Kevin. You know, it's old <laughs> news. Um, we're here to talk about what I did to Robert last week, right? Wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, listen, I like Robert. He's been a great addition to the league. You know, what What I didn't like is that once again, I was given no respect and no chance to compete last week. I mean, you two were on here already talking about him being five and one come week seven. <laughs> like, he was just going to roll right through me, you know? Um, and, and, and obviously, I mean, here's the thing. You probably didn't know this. Uh, I am undefeated against the good guys. Okay. Wow. So, I mean, we only met one time last year, but okay. I've got to keep, I've got to keep this prospect in his place. Okay? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, my team has scored more than our projected total four out of the five weeks so far this year. And that that's exactly what we did to Robert. You know, we got early performances from Crowder, Rojo, and then my quarterback showed up to show out on Monday and Tuesday night. Absolutely. So, well, but um, before we dive into that, because I think that's actually the crux of the entire conversation here, is the, the, the part that I find incredibly interesting for your program. It seems that like every single week you have a guy or guys that have massive weeks and you have yep. literally taken this buy low, sell high strategy to full maximum capacity, right? So obviously uh, for me, I'm a direct recipient of that with Matt Ryan and Aaron Jones. Uh, You also, I believe at one point, shipped off Tyler Lockett. Is that correct? That is correct. Mike Davis. Yep. Yep. So it seems that every single week, somehow you have the guys that are not necessarily the guys that we drafted super high certainly some of those like aaron jones were in the the mix of those higher end conversations but like some of these guys are more streamers 
and yet have clicked and you've sold them at, at probably their best value and yet we're still winning. That, that's the crazy part to me is that you are still producing, beating your projection by this week over 16 points. And and truthfully, coming into a Monday, Tuesday where you needed big production out of your quarterbacks, and boy, did they deliver. Well, I mean, I appreciate you pointing that out, Jake, because, you know, we're trending towards a little bit of the respect that I feel Hater Nation deserves here. You're, <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I have... You know, you look at the, the two teams tied for first place, and, and both you guys are sitting on assets that you've acquired from none other than yours truly. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it just it makes sense. And, and I'm sitting currently on 10 picks in the first six rounds next year. There you so, go. So, um, you know, it's, it's working. But, yeah, to your point, I mean, Monday night, uh, little old Herbert, you know, he puts up 34 points. And he happens to be averaging 30.25 in the four games that he's played. So, you know, Tony said it in the text. It looks like Hater Nation may have found the quarterback of the future. And right now, that's kind of hard to argue with. No doubt. I mean, first first rookie ever to throw three touchdowns on Monday Night Football. And he did it in the first half. Um, <laughs> now, as a Raider fan, you know, we love to see the collapse of the Chargers and the fact that these guys – I think I saw something on Monday night where they had lost nine games by less than three points last year. And I think that they're now on three games this year. And it's just, I don't know whose collapse is worse, the Falcons or the Chargers. Uh, But boy, I would hate to be a Chargers fan. Yeah, you know, I would have really hated to have money on them on Monday night. Um, You know, I I know someone in our league that happened to have a pretty sizable bet that was going to be paying off if the Chargers won. Uh, That didn't happen. And uh, it was pretty gratifying to me, both on a fantasy front and on an NFL front. So no um, doubt. So yeah. okay, so uh, you get past a Monday night, right? So you needed yeah. mo- you needed Monday to breathe life because honestly, if you look at this matchup going into Monday, it wasn't pretty. I mean, you have a a six spots from Juju, which we can talk about. He's definitely nowhere to be found this year. Uh, Rojo been producing, which is good. Obviously, with Fournette out, it kind of bodes to say that that might be the dude. But across the board with Ayuk and Higby, like a lot of other guys really not performing except for Jamison Crowder, who looks to be the one person you can trust in, in New York. Um, so you're down significantly coming into Monday. Monday you get a nice boost. And as we talked about in the thread, you needed, I believe it was just over 32.8 points or something close to that in order to pull out a miraculous victory. Now Tannehill was slotted for and a projection from from obviously the experts 25.48 let's talk about Tannehill I mean I mean count them up 37.95 I know Robert was counting them you know (laughs) I mean this guy he was unbelievable I mean Tanny is looking like the real deal he is also boasting an average of 30 fantasy points per game so you know, I've been I've been feeling some offers. People are looking at him. I mentioned him to you, Jake. You yeah. know, I I doubt Tannehill will be on my roster for much longer, as some of you top tier, you know, competitive teams are, are looking to make the final push. Sure, uh, Tannehill's the man right now. I mean, they're undefeated. They're it's, undefeated. It's just, it, and it's, it's amazing. And they they a couple things about this. Um, they beat the living 
hell out of the Bills. That wasn't even close. I mean, that was a that was a massacre. Um, Tannehill didn't nec- he didn't necessarily light it up in the air. He had 195, but he was super efficient. Three touchdowns uh, in the air and one on the ground, which he nearly hyperextended his leg on his touchdown celebration. Got to work on that. Um, but as you look at this Titans team, like I feel like when you talk about a symbolism here of hater nation not getting the respect deserved. I feel like that actually kind of bodes well into Ryan Tannehill and more so the entire Tennessee offense. And then the reason I say that is that this is a program that nobody actually cared about last year. They squeaked into the playoffs and yet on the back of Derrick Henry and a, a manager like Ryan Tannehill, they were able to effectively make it all the way through two of the hardest competition, Baltimore and New England, to make it to the AFC Championship game, ultimately falling to the then Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. But is it time to put some damn respect on, on the Tennessee Titans and what they're doing? I mean, it's hard to say no to that. I mean, like you pointed out, they finished last year strong, and they, they've come into this year you know, looking equally as strong, and, and they're undefeated. Uh, their, their schedule does get pretty tough if you look at you know the next six to eight weeks. Um, so so it's going to be interesting. They're going to have to continue to perform. But I mean, Tannehill as an individual and as a fantasy quarterback right now, I mean, I don't know how you don't don't love the guy. I certainly do. Sure. No, I I, I definitely love him. I'm excited. I mean, when you talk about strong, I don't know if we can say that word without just a quick mention of what Derrick Henry did to, to Josh Norman on Tuesday night. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> I think I, my favorite part was actually watching the Tennessee Titans sideline. <laughs> um, it was pretty incredible. And, and I don't know, it seemed like it really rattled Norman because he was garbage after that. <laughs> wouldn't you be rattled? I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I was, you know, it's, it's been nice. My dad actually traveled out from California, staying with us through the long weekend. And so we were watching the game. And I, told, I looked over him and said, you know what? There, there's not a lot of guys that I feel like I would be scared to tackle. I certainly would get trucked by a lot of guys. But, like, I would be scared to tackle that human being just in his sheer size. And, and if that guy has any momentum downhill, you're done. You're done. It's true, man. He he is a, another caliber of human being, and then you know you give him the football, and, and I wouldn't want to be in his way. That's for sure. No doubt. Well, congrats on the big win. Lightning does strike twice. Um, it and, sure did. <laughs> uh, it didn't miss the tree as Robert hoped. Uh, obviously, that was a big blow to Robert, who had a pretty pretty good sizable projection that missed and goes from a place where he could have been four and one, now three and two, in a mix of. Um, you know, uh, this entire group of, of teams that are this two and three, three and two, um, you know, very close tight race. And obviously you've got Mike and I at the top there. So congrats on that win. That was definitely a huge comeback and exciting to see. Yeah. Appreciate that. It was a, uh, it was a sweet victory. It tasted pretty damn good, man. Not going to lie. No yeah. doubt. No doubt. Um, so what's on, what's on the docket for next week? Well, you know, I move on to face the charity case of our league. Uh, you know, the guy who guy who promised to quit if he didn't win, but but couldn't follow through with. Was that three years ago now? Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like, yeah, I, I don't even remember what. I'm it was, pretty sure I, just, I remember that bet. I, I and I, I don't know if it was 100 percent this case, but I think we were at Kevin's house in Slow, and I, I swear we were shotgunning beers out on the deck there. And I, I, I believe that declaration was made. 
Yeah, no, it, it was me. If I don't win in the next two years, I'll quit. And I'm still waiting. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was easy when we had Tony and Robert kind of waiting in the shadows. We could just say, call them up. You know, I don't know who the who the next league replacement's going to be, but it's supposed to be for Chad. Yeah. So, um, but here's the thing, man. Unfortunately, Hater Nation, we, we, we've got a track record of struggling against Chad. Um you know, in the 16 times we faced off, uh, I regretfully have a 4-12 and 12 record against the Dictator. Um, yeah, it's a little rough. Um, this, this week could be different. I mean, Chad, Chad's coming off of putting up a, a pathetic 119 points. Um, yeah, I think someone else's score was down there in the pathetic range, too. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of <laughs> escaping me right now. Um, but obviously, Chad <laughs> made a pretty significant trade. He brought in uh, CEH. Yeah. But, I, I mean, I don't really hate my chances here, to be honest with you. Um, Chad's missing some key players, even with bringing in Edwards Hilaire. And, and obviously, <laughs> I don't know how stoked he's going to be if Le'Veon Bell lands in uh, in. in yeah, Kansas City over there. We'll see. But what, what do you think? What do you think about this matchup? Jake? Yeah, I so, I mean, I, I, I'm going to talk about this in a little bit when we get into our studs and duds because I've got some um, deep-rooted and probably questionable um, feelings about Lamar Jackson and his fantasy production, not the team's production, not the fact that they're winning his legit fantasy production. So we'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, listen, Hollywood Brown and, and the matchup they have against the Eagles, I think is actually a good one. So it bodes well for, for Chad in that regard. Joe Burrow comes off a awful matchup where he and the rest of the Cincinnati Bengals were just destroyed by Baltimore. And then they go to face Indianapolis, who has one of the toughest defenses playing today. So I, I, I don't, I don't think that you're going to be scared by Burrow. Um, right now, again, as we sit here, he's got Zach Moss basically put into that running back position, who I would assume if he comes back Monday, if he comes back Monday, will be a tough matchup against Kansas City, although they did just get gashed by Josh Jacobs. Um, it's just the more splitting of time coming off injury. Where is he going to fit with Devin Singletary. I think there's a bigger question mark here. I actually think that your biggest cause for concern is in his flex spot. And it's Justin Jefferson. And I'll tell you why. Atlanta cannot stop a nosebleed. Atlanta is the New York Jets of defenses right now. If I have anybody playing Atlanta, they are in my lineup somewhere because I think that despite how bad Minnesota has been, Atlanta has been worse. And so if I'm you and I look at this matchup, my cause for concern is going to be Justin Jefferson repeating and putting up a 40-point week. As you look at your side, um, there's certainly potential, but you also have some tough matchups. Rojo plays Green Bay, one of the, mo one of the undefeated teams in the league. Um, obviously, Juice Jarvis Landry has a tough draw with Pittsburgh. Um, and then you just, you know, you, we talked about Tennessee there. They had a great defensive production, multiple interceptions, and, and really kind of shut down the run game. Well, you've got David Johnson versus Tennessee. So I think you've got some tough matchups, the ones that I do like, Jamison Crowder versus Miami, um, and, uh, and I think Ryan Tannehill uh, against Houston will bode well. So as I look up the matchup, obviously right now it's a pretty narrow margin, I'm actually calling this one a toss-up. Um, 
that's my my honest opinion so far. Yeah, I'm good with the toss up, and you know, there's there's some some other things that could be coming. You know, we saw some news coming out of Atlanta with some positive COVID tests, which could have the the potential to affect Jefferson. You know, playing in that flex spot for Chad, which which would be interesting. Sure. Um, you know, and, and I'm also still kind of on the fence. We, we acquired Brandon Cooks in the, the late night hours of the waiver wire, and, and we may be giving Cooks a chance to, to find his way into the starting lineup. So I, I agree with you. I think it's probably a toss-up, and, and we'll see uh, who the fantasy gods favor this week uh, with me and the dictator. You talk about Brandon Cooks and talk about the waivers, so let, let's kind of move our conversation in that direction. And the reason I say that is that I'm having – this total flashback. So obviously I drafted, I drafted Brandon cooks. I read a lot in the off season, just about his speed and like his ability to get beyond coverage. I was like, okay, I like this guy. Just like I like Calvin Ridley. I was feeling really good about him. And through the first three weeks, he literally did nothing. Now that obviously has something to play with the fact that Houston was just terrible across the board. Um, so naturally I dropped him. Much like last year when I held on to Miles Sanders because I was really high on this guy. I dropped him. Tony picks him up. The guy booms. Now, you're one week behind the pickup of the boom. Obviously, he had a 30-point, his best week that he's had on the on the tune of 161 receiving yards. 12 targets, 8 catches, and a tug. Um, got an interesting matchup against Tennessee again. I think it'd be interesting if he fits his way into, into the lineup. Yeah, I mean, it's it's he's right there. I mean, with all honesty, he's probably going to be in there, whether for Landry or Juju. Hard to know. Juju's not practicing, so and and I mean, you mentioned that he has been pretty much absent. Um, it's it's sad. I mean, Juju we thought was going to be wide receiver one for Pittsburgh, and and now we've got you know Deadpool or some guy coming out of nowhere, and, you know, <laughs> vulturing all his all his catches. I don't know what's going on. Well, the weird thing about it is. Is Juju has yet to lead the team in receptions through the first five games. Well, four. They had a, a forced by. So four games that they played, he's yet to lead the team in receptions and what is presumptive the number one wide receiver. So I don't know what's going on. And they're undefeated. It's not like they're playing bad. Like they're actually playing pretty good. So now, granted, if you look at the teams that they've beaten, okay, Philadelphia – garbage houston trash denver garbage giants trash so like they haven't had like this will be their toughest matchup this week coming against cleveland who is a surprising four and one and and playing really really well (laughs) yeah and is miles garrett back um i do not know the answer to that actually i could look that up i was yeah, look that up because that's going to be an interesting storyline too if he ends up there playing. But um, yeah, I, I guess that Brandon Cooks makes it into my lineup, which is going to be awesome. But I think what you were probably alluding to, Jake, uh, in the sense that I picked up, you know, Cooks on the waiver wire with a little bit of Fab money. Uh, things got a little crazy this week with some Fab, and I know that the, the league is interested. There's been a lot of questions and as to what was going on, and I know you were you were a little confused too. <laughs> So I get I get this random text from Mike. I think we were talking about something else, but he was like, "Do you know what's going on with Tony and Josh and the Fab War?" And I'm like, "No, what's going on?" He's like, "Well, it's not really my place, so you have to ask Josh." So then I asked you, and you're like, "It's personal." I'm like, "Okay, what is going on here?" Like, obviously, this week there was some certain 
waiver wire ads, and we had the record most money ever spent, FAAB dollars ever in the history of the league. Granted, we've only been doing FAAB for two years, but $99 on Andy Dalton. Hey, give the league some sort of a view what was going on yesterday because I have no idea. You know, it's tough. It's uh, it's hard to know what to share, how much insight to give here. But, you know, obviously there's a lot of questions. Hey, you know, Dak was previously on my team. I don't know if you saw when that injury went down. And, I you was know, watching it live, Garrett, yep. Yeah, Jason Garrett went over to kind of check on his former coach. I, I felt really similarly when I saw it. You know, as a former owner at Dak, it, it was sad. And yep. that lasted probably a solid, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. And then I realized, oh. Robert's going to need a quarterback. Uh, so, and I thought it gave me a better chance at beating Robert because Dak wasn't going <laughs> to score any more points. Sure. So, um, you know, listen, when you're at the bottom of the barrel and you can't play for the trophy, you look for other things to play for and other things to get excited about. And, you know, looking for opportunity, I saw, okay, Dalton's going to be in a pretty good spot. So I immediately kind of started planning for the idea of getting Dalton off of, off of the fab and the waiver wire. But I already had four quarterbacks, and that was a problem. And so uh, knowing that Tony loves Locke for whatever reason, um, I went to ship him to Tony. And when I did that, it tipped my hand that I wanted to get rid of Locke on the cheap. And Tony made the assumption that it was for Dalton, which was correct. And you know, I realized that he wanted Dalton as well, but had a significant amount a significant more amount of fab than i did a lot a lot of that problem uh and so he just kind of started you know he was he was posturing with his fab but i didn't like it and i was like well i could go get more fab and it just kind of immediately turned into this little personal battle for andy dalton um i didn't think tony had it in him to go that hard for him um and he, Tony, was under the impression that me and Robert were colluding somehow to, you know, combine Fab or for me to get Andy Dalton and get him over to Robert, which wasn't the case. I hadn't actually talked to Robert about it. I just, in my head, the idea was, hey, if I have more quarterbacks, then I'm going to be the guy that Robert comes to to, to trade for. You sure, know? sure. So it, it got a little out of hand, uh, you know, that during that uh, Tuesday night game, I think, you know, Tony may have been drinking, and <laughs> I, I, I may have been drinking as well. There may have been some decisions made that weren't awesome, like you know, just giving away a sixth round pick to Hayden. But um, you know, like I said, I'm sitting on ten picks in the first six rounds, so I'm still okay with where I'm at and increase my fab a little bit. So, so speaking of Hayden, uh, and I'm going to bring him into this and the good guys too, because I just want to get your authentic reaction here. I'm, I'm actually genuinely confused by the trade that went down yesterday. So Robert sends Kareem Hunt in 25 FAAB dollars to DJT for Goff and Philip Lindsay. Like, am I missing something? I mean, if you are, I'm missing too. I'm having a hard time making sense of that one. I, I thought, I mean, Kareem Hunt's in an awesome position right now. Um, I definitely would have taken that deal. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm like, well, know, shoot, man. how would I – like I should have uh, – I guess I didn't really understand that he was available for that. Um, listen, yes, Melvin Gordon has a DUI, but they've actually still not come out and said that he's going to miss any time. Um, sometimes in these cases, they're either suspensions from the league or from the team, and the team so far has not said anything and is under investigation. I mean – when the whole Ezekiel Elliott thing went down, like 
he played four games before he was actually quote unquote suspended. So like, yes, Philip Lindsay comes back from injury and I understand that there could be a play there, but like in a team when you got to win now and you've got arguably a top five and streaming top three running back based off of volume and, and how they're playing. Granted, they've got a really tough matchup versus Pittsburgh this week. And you're giving away 25 FAB. I don't know. I'm I'm having a hard time with this one. I I am right there with you, man. And it's interesting because uh, Hayden actually told me uh, last week. Actually, I'm looking at my text right now. It's Monday, October 5th. And he says, uh, no, I'm going to go get Hunt. And I was like, no way, Robert deals Kareem. And he's like, I'm going to make it happen. So, it's. I mean, I'm guessing Hayden initiated this one. And to have been the initiator wanting Hunt and to get what he got, I, 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 I'm baffled. I, I don't know. I think it might have been a little bit. I think Hayden might have taken a page out of Tony's playbook. Uh, Tony is notorious for if you reject a trade, he's just going to keep offering you crazy things until – you actually accept. In this case, it wasn't offering crazy things. I think it was just persistence. Um, and trust me, I was talking with Hayden a lot. He wanted to do this three-way training. He actually wanted to give Waller to Robert. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to get rid of Waller. And there was a deal on the table, which uh, according to some in the league, I should have taken. But there was a, a deal on the table for Zach Ertz and Mike Evans for Darren Waller. And some people would probably think you're crazy not to take it. But Zach Ertz scored one point last week. And yes, Mike Evans is leading the league uh, as far as consistency in touchdowns. But he's touchdown dependent in a way. Like he's not necessarily blowing out without the touchdowns. So call me crazy. Call me a stupid Raider fan. I love Darren Waller. <laughs> uh, I, you know, strategy wise, I'm going to call you crazy, but don't deal Waller without talking to me. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of Waller. I think, you know, you, you yeah, I, I, I I'll tell you one thing I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of talking about other leagues when we're on the Fantasy God West podcast. You know, um, we got to focus in on this league. But but I do own him in the Auctioneers League, and I carried him for a dollar. So Waller for a dollar, shout out right there. Um, But, yeah, we can move on from that, Jake. All right, Waller for a dollar, like it. So let's transition and talk about the Raiders. How about that win versus the Chiefs on Sunday? Uh, I mean, it might as well have been a Super Bowl victory. That's how it felt. It was incredible. Man. And just the look of defeat on the Chiefs' face was so rewarding. Uh, man, it, it felt really good. I know my house was rocking. I'm sure yours was too. Totally. I mean, 13 games since we won an Arrowhead. And for those who aren't Raider fans can't really understand that just the fact of the dominance of the Chiefs um over the past you know five years even with alex smith like we just haven't really been able to beat them the last win that was memorable i can think of which i believe it might have been last year two no it was actually two or three years ago when we beat alex smith on that that wild thursday night game the color rush game do you remember that in the rain i remember it for sure crabtree in the in the, yep, uh, yep. the pass interference one pass interference two and then the the third try um and that was i mean that's the last like exciting moment i can remember against the chiefs as a raider fan it's a fact yeah they don't come often but when they come we we like to celebrate them that's for sure and especially a chiefs team that has had an impressive start as far as schedule goes 
Um, the Chiefs themselves this year have beat three, three 2019 division champions. It's going to be uh, the Texans, the Baltimore Ravens, and I'm blanking on the other one here. I can't find it on me, but uh, I know that they've beaten three so far. They they looked undefeated like a team that couldn't be beat. How did the Raiders make it happen? Man, I mean, I thought Derek Carr played really, really well. Um, and it was it was great to see Ruggs get in the mix. I uh, hadn't seen much from him, and kind of my jury was still out, but uh, he had two really great plays, and the one where he went up contested and pulled that catch down over kind of like the back of the helmet was was exciting. Uh, loved seeing that one. Uh, and then I, the defense stepped up. You know, we got some big stops. Yep. Uh, it, it was just kind of an all-around great storm for the Raiders. Listen, I think you and I are both realists. We probably don't expect play like that every week. Sure. Uh, but, but we celebrate it when it happens, man. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the team I forgot there uh, – how could I forget the Patriots? Uh, that was the other yeah, one that they beat. Yeah. Um, okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you. The fact that like I am a Raider fan through and through, which means disappointment is around the corner. So I'm tempering my expectations, but damn, it felt good to get that victory. I think that some things that I can take away from that was one, there was a PI call against Jonathan Abrams that definitely should have been called and didn't, and that was just that was very nice to be on the re- receiving end of some grace when the Raiders are never on that side. So I appreciate that. Shout out to the refs. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Derek Carr outplayed Patrick Mahomes. You really can't say that uh, very much, but the fact that he had a – I think the Raiders came in with a great game plan, and this is what excites me about the Raiders' offense and the way that they played against the Chiefs. They were able to establish a ground game with Josh Jacobs and then utilize the speed that they have and be able to blow the top off and keep guys like Tyron Matthew from just running up into the box and playing the run. And when you have a speed guy like Ruggs, listen, he only had three catches. Yes, he put up 20 fantasy points, but on three catches off of a 60-yard bomb touchdown. That's not sustainable, and everyone knows it's not real. But when you have that threat, you have to respect it. And then all of a sudden, Nelson Aguilar, (laughs) like the resurgence of this guy, I'm actually scratching my head like, how is he? Is he that fast? I don't remember him being that fast, uh, certainly for Philly or for USC, but like, man, this guy's catching bombs. Yeah, that was great to see. And I want to go back just because, you know, you hit on Josh Jacobs. And I mean, I think he has been the, I don't know, him and Waller, the greatest additions to, to our offense, obviously. But, you know, when he's averaging 3.3 a carry, I mean, that's he makes it pretty easy for the the rest of the offense. And as you pointed out, you know, then that opens up the game. So I really think it all starts with him and he, he's really exciting to watch it. And Robert don't deal him without talking to me either. Okay. So. <laughs> I trust me. I've been trying, I, I swear I've been trying to get uh, ever since he acquired him. I've been trying to get him well, as well. When Tony sent him to Robert, he just texted me there. Now you can talk to Robert. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, a couple of guilty Raider fans just trying to get Ra- Raiders on their roster. 
Yeah, but not to the point to where, you know, I had Chad and Tony try to deal me rugs yesterday, and it's like, look, guys, you Same. had two great plays. You know, I'm right. gonna, that's a pass. Right, right. <laughs> so coming from a guy who knows the concept of selling high, you ain't going to be fooled by a, a three-catch game for 20 points knowing that that ain't going to happen. Yep, yep. And it's just a different strategy for Hater Nation this year, you know. A lot of times I've been kind of going for all costs to be competitive in the year present, and uh, – you know, we really sat down and looked at this year, knowing that, that COVID was going to be in play and it was a, an interesting season. And, you know, we're already talking about how many games have to be played as a minimum to declare a winner. It's like, hey, th- this might be the time for us to go into rebuild mode. And, you know, like you pointed out at the beginning, staying staying somewhat competitive and pretty competitive right now, but really feeling good about uh, how we're going to be heading into 2021. You know, we've talked about the 10 picks in six rounds, but we haven't talked about the fact that I'm also sitting on Saquon Barkley now. So um, it's going to be it's going to be a bright future for, for Hater Nation. Yeah, which it's a good little transition for here as, uh, as we kind of wrap this section up is um, you're sitting at a, a tie for seventh. Uh, well, technically you're in seventh in a, in a, in a multiple way tie. How do you how do you flutter? There's a there's an interesting line. Um, how do you flutter with avoiding the pink license plate uh, because you don't want to drive around Tascadero as the mayor with a pink license plate, um, but also make sure that you get a good pick and some of those those values add up. Uh, what, how do you balance that? Well, it's an art form, Jake. I mean, to be honest <laughs> with you, it's a, it's a skill that a lot of people in this league don't have. Um, so what I, you know, and, and let's be clear, it's more important to me to not have the pink license plate than it is for me to be mayor of a Tascadero. <laughs> I have made a commitment that I will never, I will never have the pink license plate on, on my car. And, you know, it's looking like right now that it's probably going to be the return of the bag of dicks parade. And I'm <laughs> excited about that. Um, that was one of my favorite team names. I, I pride myself in having input on, on that committee, um, but yeah, it, it's a balance of staying a little bit competitive, making sure my points stay up above the you know the people that are below me, getting some wins, uh, getting some assets, and you know, like I said, when you when you can't play for the jacket, you can't play for the trophy. You find some other things to get excited about. You look for opportunities that maybe other people aren't looking for, and uh, you know, look to beat the commissioner whenever I can. Totally. Well, I think it's a big week for you. Um... Obviously, in this, like if you get a win this week, solidifies you at a 500 record. Uh, Hit Parade actually does have a decently favorable matchup against Robert this week. So it's interesting to see if he will be able to obviously win. If Hit Parade wins, everything still stays in play. Uh, if Ryan loses, throws us into an interesting uh, front runner for him. And when I beat Blake, Blake for that license plate. Mm, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think right, right now it looks like the old Bon Jovi is uh, projected to take you down, so you might need some living on a prayer juice uh, come this week. I might, and especially, uh, you know, reports out of Atlanta are still unclear. It looks like it was not a player that tested positive for COVID. It was a staff member, so all, all things moving forward with the game so far. But, yeah, without Matt Ryan, um, it would be – and Calvin Ridley. It would be very difficult for my team, who has Russell Wilson on a bye, Aaron and Darren Waller on a bye, to string together uh, this weird combination of Devontae Freeman, Robbie Anderson, um, and Teddy Bridgewater to, to beat his team. It would be very difficult. But 
we'll take that as it comes and uh, and see how how the Le'Veon Bell news affects things. And hey, if he lands in in Kansas City, um, I don't know. Maybe I stream him. It would be a weird call, but we'll see. Wow, wow. And so I mean, I you know not to take too much away here, but are we leaning towards the uh, Mislowski brothers as as game of the week, or what what are we thinking? Yeah, I mean, um, as far as looking ahead, uh, you kind of have to think so, just in the fact that it's got to have major fantasy implications. Um, with DJT on the back of uh, a, of a tough loss, and, and I said this last week in the show that like depending on how you do that week has everything to do with your attitude. So like me last week was three and zero before losing to Hayden. I lost and I just felt terrible. I feel like my team didn't belong. We were in no place. And now all of a sudden, hey, okay, we're still in the race here. We had a big win. Actually went from the biggest blowout on the receiving end to giving the biggest blowout. Um, so just blowing left and right here. <laughs> yeah, keep it blowing. Yeah, just <laughs> blowing it. Uh, so just giving and taking them. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I got to say that the, the most fantasy implications would be that game. And then I, I'd also have to say probably – just the Bon Jovi game because his team looks really good. Uh, truthfully, Blake does have a pretty good team when they click. So I'm certainly at at the biggest risk for an upset. Um, I, I If I'm Mike, I'm still liking where I'm at. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's, uh, it's a good year. It's an interesting year with COVID. But I think uh, one of the things that's making this year probably better than years prior is this podcast, Jake. So, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't thank you for the – the effort that you're putting into this and the entertainment value you're bringing to the league. This is definitely uh, a next level, top notch, really impressed. Uh, and and again, really glad that we could make this happen and that, that I could be the guest today. So thank you. Well, I appreciate that. Hey, anything for uh, anything for the league to make it fun. I think it's a great time. People enjoy it. So thank you for taking time out of your schedule to jump on. Uh, certainly appreciate it. Uh, enjoy the rest and the bye week for the Raiders. We can focus only on fantasy and good luck next week versus the dictator. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. I'd just like to let the entire league know that I hate you and uh, am looking forward to your vote on November 3rd. So thank you. <laughs> Don't forget, vote Josh Donovan, mayor of Tascadero. <laughs> Always great having Josh on the show. A lot of fun there. Um, let's let's cover off some other things that we have on this week's agenda for the Kingsman Corner. Send you guys into the weekend. Uh, I always like to make sure that I'm doing a good job of covering my studs and duds. We got to talk about the number one stud of the week, which was Chase Claypool out of Pittsburgh. Had a absolutely dominating game. Seven of eleven catches for. 110 yards and count them three touchdowns. He also rushed for a touchdown on three carries used dynamically. Impressive to see Chase Claypool tops the list as the most fantasy points all year for a Pittsburgh wide receiver. And in week number six was the highest scoring fantasy player. So certainly impressive uh, for him. The number two stud is actually Mike Davis out of Carolina. Again, we talked about this last week that there's been no drop-off virtually in the fantasy position at running back for for the Panthers. Um, Mike had 16 carries for 89 yards, got 9 of 10 catches. Like That offense is predicated on throwing the ball to the running back. Another 60 yards and a score. Um, granted, it was against the Falcons, who basically give everything up to anyone, but... 
you know, it, it's impressive to see Mike Davis. Uh, Christian McCaffrey talked about maybe coming back in week six. They've got to buy the following week. I don't really see there any reason, especially with them winning, to push it. In fact, I think it would be better for them to wait, especially since you'd have no practice time, still isn't activated yet from IR. Um, so it's going to be interesting. Mike Davis, congratulations. You are uh, the number two stud of the week. The number three stud of the week we've already talked about with Josh. It's Ryan Tannehill. It's on the back of a huge Tuesday night performance, completed 21 of 28 passes, only 195 yards, but he had the three touchdowns in the air, another one on the ground. Incredibly impressive. Um, Tannehill welcomed back A.J. Brown, which was certainly good for him um, to be able to have that target through that perfect touchdown uh, in the corner of the end zone. Tannehill also found Jonu Smith twice for scores and then ran one in. Um, he did have this terrible botched touchdown celebration, which we talked about, almost just blew out his knee. But overall, incredible performance. I want to give a shout-out honorary stud. This goes to 11 players. This is the Ravens' defense, posting the second-highest defensive score of the entire year. And Joey Big Dick Joe took the Ravens' D and allowed Three, they only allowed three points, seven sacks, a pick, two fumble recoveries, one of those for a touchdown. Tough day for the for the Cincinnati Bengals. As far as our duds go, listen, my biggest dud, and this could be definitely a cause for some level of, of argument. Happy to have that argument. But if we look at the first five weeks of the season, I think that if you think about where this player was drafted across all fantasy leagues, including the hype of where he's at, Lamar Jackson, the reigning MVP, has to be one of our biggest duds of the year. Again, I know he's had some weeks where he scored some points, but just hear me out. He completed 19 of 37 passes for 180 yards and two touchdowns plus an interception. Lamar Jackson has not had the games like he did in his MVP campaign last year. I think if you're looking at someone who in a whole sense has been a dud and you remove any level of injury, you have to start the conversation with Lamar Jackson. The second one, which is questionable because he came back from an injury, but it's Jimmy G. Jimmy G was benched in the second half of San Francisco's Week 5 blowout loss against the Dolphins. He only completed seven passes, uh, 77 yards, through two picks. Now, I don't know what Kyle Shanahan was thinking. Maybe they rushed him back a little too fast. They were obviously getting blown out, so they put Beathard in just to make sure that there was no other damage or harm to Jimmy G. But you got to say either he was still injured or or something's up there because he did not look good and certainly leads our candidacy for duds as he only scored one point and was benched uh, just, uh, just in the second half. The third one comes from our guy who's actually leading the league in fantasy wide receiver points, Amari Cooper. Now, could be heavily impacted by the injury we saw to Dak, but Amari Cooper caught two out of his four targets for 23 yards. That's it especially over a Giants program that you would expect the Cowboys to get up on pretty big, um, was disappointing to see that happen. Let's move over now to our stat of the week. I actually have two stats. I'm going to quickly go through the first one. Le'Veon Bell is a hot topic right now. Potentially could land on one of three teams, as he has said. Um, It'll be interesting to see 
whether that is the Bills, Chiefs, or Miami. He does have a house in Miami, so keep that in mind. Um, but here's what's mind-blowing. Le'Veon Bell played 17 total games in New York. He had 264 carries, 838 yards rushing, and four total touchdowns, three rushing, one receiving. And in those 17 games, he has made $27 million. So that works out to $102,000 per rushing attempt. We'll let that sink in for a second. $100,000 per rushing attempt. $31,000 per rushing yard. And $6.75 million per touchdown. Now, what's crazy is that the Jets still owe this guy another $6 million, whether he plays a single down or not. Obviously, it would be offset for whatever the other team that acquires him pays. But you got to think they're going to pay a league minimum and have the Jets be on the hook. So you think he's probably going to sign a one-year, $1 million deal. Um, it'll be interesting to see ultimately where he lands uh, and, and how that impacts fantasy for those players on those teams. The other stat, so this is just almost too crazy to believe, um, but, but this comes from a little bit deeper, so just bear with me here. This stat is the comparison of Joe Theismann and Alex Smith. Now, both of these were Washington Redskins quarterbacks that had a broken right tibia and fibula. Now, the reason why this is crazy is when Joe Theismann had his injury, it was November 18th, 1885. 1985, excuse me, be a tad bit old there. Alex Smith also was injured on November 18th. That was just 2018. Location, well, Washington, D.C., don't need to tell you that. Final score of the game, both were 23 to 21. Caused by, well, Joe Theismann was injured by three-time defensive player of the year, Lawrence Taylor, and... Alex Smith was caused by three-time Defensive Player of the Year, J.J. Watt. Oddly interesting. Last piece, the left tackle for Joe Theismann was Pro Bowl Joe Jacoby, who was carted off the field due to an injury. And in Alex Smith's case, Pro Bowl left tackle Trent Williams was off the field due to an injury. Now, I just say that to say you hate injuries in the NFL, but oh my gosh, the Odd comparisons between the Joe Theismann and Alex Smith injury are crazy, and it, were, it was really good to see Alex Smith make a comeback and get back into the game. So for the final segment of the show, I uh, want to go through some of the matchup breakdowns and analysis. We'll be rather quick this time since we covered off some of the other things in a little bit more detail. Start by uh, the Kingsman and Rough Rider matchup. Now, Kevin has been just dismantled by COVID and, and injuries, and so it certainly has not been the start to the season that he wants. But starting to get some of those players coming back next week, I think in all purposes we can almost just wash this out anew and look ahead. Uh, I think a small positive, Deshaun Watson throws for 359 yards and three touchdowns. Again, against a just a terrible Jacks defense, but it was good to see that. He gets Cam back. Uh, hopefully soon we'll see CMC back in the lineup, and, and I believe uh, Devontae Adams as well after the bye week there. So brighter days ahead for the Rough Riders. This matchup wasn't close. Kingsman move on 181 
to 119. In the next matchup, we have the Mile High Kings, who also were victorious. Now, I must mention that, like I said in my segment with Josh, the Kingsmen were the number one point scorer. In fact, first team to have two high point total weeks uh, of the season. It's uh, It's been myself twice, Mike once, Hayden once, and I believe uh, Ryan once. Uh, could fact check me on that. I think Hayden, I think I said that right. So um, anyways, I know first repeat, uh, and I edged out Mike by narrowly just uh, four-tenths of a point, and that also gave me the biggest blowout of the week. Mike's team looks super strong, obviously on the back of Kyler Murray with a very strong performance against the Jets. Uh, DK Metcalf, man, what can we say about Megatron 2.0? This guy is just a freak of nature. Six catches, 193 yards, and the game-winning touchdown against Minnesota. Again, you guys know that Emily is a Viking fan. Um that was a really low point. I mean, she was yelling and like ultimately she like stormed off and went to bed very upset as I would be too. If I was on the receiving end of that, um, I, I think I still go for it on the fourth down. I don't think Mike Zimmer made a bad call. Like I would still go for it, but in the national football league, if you want to win a game, you got to pick up fourth down fourth and one to win and seal the game, kicking the field goal. I get it, but you kick the field goal and miss. Then they automatically went. I don't know. I just I would have done the same thing. Poor execution, uh, definitely. I think the most impressive thing for Mike here is his team is so stacked, he can have garbage players like Kenyon Drake or a really odd down week by Kittle when they got blown out and still put up 180 points. That's probably what scares me the most. As far as Chad goes, again, looking ahead next week, it doesn't look great. I've got a lot of concerns about this team. Like I said, Lamar Jackson, to this point, at where we're at in the season, I don't feel very comfortable at where he is as a fantasy-producing quarterback. Probably will prove me wrong. Lord knows that Miles Sanders did that to me this past week when he heard me on my avoid players, and he broke off a massive run. I texted Tony as soon as that happened. (laughs) It's like, man, he must have been listening to the podcast. was certainly upset about the Kingsman Corners analysis there. but outside of that, it's a it's you know he traded Dalvin Cook. I'm not a big fan fan of Clyde Edwards Hilaire. The bright spots really are, are Kamara and uh, and and if Lamar Jackson can turn the ship around. Mile High Kings roll to a 180 119 victory over the Dictator. The Mambas versus DJT. Um, brutal loss for Team DJT. Coming off a, a big win last week, feeling good. Uh, did a little bit of revamp of the team, and then drops an egg. Um, and you got to give a credit here to to the Mambas for facing adversary, adversity. One and three. Certainly things are not looking great, but didn't say, hey, we're just going to throw in the towel. Like I said, Miles Sanders had two rushing touchdowns, 80 yards, and another two catches to finish with 27 fantasy points. Carson Wentz also had a, a, I would say, a surprisingly good performance against a rather difficult Pittsburgh team. Um, And so on the back of that, yes, Danny Jones was pretty awful, um, but A.J. Brown, like, welcome back. I know that is a sight for sore eyes. Uh, There were even some, like, questions if he was going to be ready to be put into the offense given coming off the injury and, and just where he was at. And he comes out with seven catches for, for 82 yards and a tug. 
and really starting to see that like Tony's team might be making a push here. Now he's got Dalvin, uh, which will make things a little bit more interesting. Mark Andrews continues to catch touchdowns. That's what you need to have in a tight end position. If your tight end's catching touchdowns, you're going to have a high floor. And it seems like over the last few weeks, that has really hit his stride. And then Jonathan Taylor, I don't think is really impressing. Same category as CEH. They're not really impressing, but, but they're not falling. So you kind of have them in this solid 17-point range. Um, and I think that puts Tony in a good spot to get some higher-end production weeks out of some other guys. DJT, tough week, especially behind a massive performance from Gurley. Gurley goes for 121 yards rushing, another rushing touchdown, and four catches, um, and posts now weeks of 21 points and 30 points, two highest production points of the season. The, the big question mark was Amari Cooper on how can he have such massive production and then completely fall off. Is that tied to Dak? What does that mean with the red rifle stepping in here? Do we see drop-off? Um, that'll be hard to hard to know until we actually see it live and playing out. Um, of course, the Amari Cooper and the Cowboys have Arizona on Monday night football, so that'll be a nice Monday night. We do have a double header on Monday night for those of you that love football. Again, I think that he's kicking himself because he didn't start John U. Smith. Um, had he have done that, I'm pretty sure he would have won. So that's a tough beat and certainly something that Hayden looks at himself and says, man, I wish I was a better manager. But you know what? Some of that elite managing is reserved for just a few of us. Um, the Mambas, congrats on the victory, uh, pulling a little, pulling yourself a little bit further away from that pink license plate, which is good. Mambas roll to a 161-147 victory over DJT. The last matchup uh, that we have here to break down is Bon Jovi versus Hit Parade. And what a nice little surprise story. Blake, whose team was trash, garbage, and looked like he'd thrown in the towel, gets his uh, second best production week out of Drew Brees, who really does light it up in the second half in a massive comeback win over none other than the Chargers. Uh, ben Roethlisberger obviously had a good production week. I think the storyline here is Jimmy Garoppolo laying a massive egg and scoring one and a quarter points. Uh, on on the back of someone having a decent week, I think we're talking about uh, Blake still sitting at one and four. Now, that's fantasy, and it is the way that it goes. Um, but there's some things you like. Kirk Cousins is, is average, but Adam Thielen, another two-touchdown game, nine catches, 80 yards. Travis Kelsey, over 100 yards with a touchdown. Um, so feeling very good. And then, of course, you have Derrick Henry, the human highlight reel. Um, who got 21 points of fantasy production. So you love that from the hit parade. Obviously, it was, a, it was a tough beat, and you kind of hang a lot of that on Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, Allen Robinson now has uh, another 19-point week. Still didn't find the end zone, uh, but he's had weeks of 28, 23, and 19, and faces a Carolina defense that is currently one of the worst as it relates to fantasy uh, wide receiver production. So it is a, it's interesting to see if they could actually be uh, another big week for Allen Robinson. For Blake, who has been talking a lot of crap already this week, um, 
listen, I, I think he's got a good team. I think David Montgomery could have an incredible week, obviously beat his projection this past week. Other things don't scare me as much on the roster, but um, you have to recognize someone who's faced with adversity and ultimately steps up to the plate, and that was Blake, who's now strung together two wins um, and is narrowly moved himself out of the last place conversation. So as you look ahead into next week, some of the big matchups uh, that we're looking at, uh, I think that you've got a interesting Rough Riders versus Mambas battle where Rough Riders is a bit more back to full health, not fully, but uh, certainly just maybe missing the one key element versus a Mambas team that is coming off a big win. Look out for a good matchup. They're currently projected within one point of each other. So I like that. Uh, good guys have actually a tougher one than he would like to admit against the hit parade Has a pretty good high projection and Robert's got to win this game. I, I it, it's, it's right now as the point where if a team like myself or Mike goes to five and one and you fall to a, a 500 three and three, that becomes a very difficult task, especially with the COVID season. I think for teams like the good guys uh, for DJT, these are in the must-win days, and if you don't, it becomes increasingly difficult. Uh, essentially, if you don't win today, you're going to have to run the table and hope for someone to bail you out. Um, as far as the Hater Nation, we broke down his matchup against the Dictator. I actually like his odds in a battle of two and threes. I think there's a really good opportunity for, for him, Josh, to pull 500. And then I think the matchup of the week, which is going to be the Mile High Kings and Team DJT, it's all going to be in the battle of the brothers. Does Donald Trump show up? Does, does the team produce or are they going to succumb and be another victim of the Mile High Kings? Those are the matchups for next week. Certainly looking forward to my game with Blake, even though my best player is on a bye and... COVID might impact another two players on my roster, but you know what? We're going to roll the dice. We love any time we get a chance to play Blake. It's going to be a great, fun time. Congratulations to all of our Week 5 winners. Uh, it was a good week. Um, the last thing that I have to say, and this is a, a little sign-off here, is you never like to see anybody get hurt. And Dak Prescott was our number one in all of fantasy. Um, he was the number one producing quarterback. Granted, the team was always playing from behind. But when you watched that play live and you saw just the impact of what that had on uh, on the team, you could see the, the hearts reeling of the players. Myself, I was squirming on the couch, even as, as uh, I think it was Tony Romo or Troy, Troy Aikman, one of them, like, no, it looks like it's dislocated. No, it, that sucker was broken, snapped, and turned the other way. And you knew when looking at that, that it was a long road ahead of him. And so our thoughts and prayers are, are with Dak. And so as we sign off on this week's episode, we got a little special tribute, especially um, this was a request from Tony. Um, you guys have a good week. This is for Dak. We'll, we'll catch you next week. Closer to heaven above and closer to you.